You're listening to the Side Hustle Gal podcast with your hosts, Danny Fountain and Caitlin Allen. Hello, and welcome back to the Side Hustle Gal podcast. Today we have on Carrie Anton, who I actually met at Camp Climb last summer. Um, If you haven't checked out Camp Climb, you for sure need to. It's the best conference in the woods, is the way I describe it to people. (laughs) That's a great way to describe it. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself, Carrie. Tell us about your current or past side hustle and what you're up to. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me on the show, first of all. This is awesome. Um, Danny, I feel like you and I, our paths keep crossing, so it's it's great to just, you know, finally get to sort of talk one-on-one even through a computer. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> um, but so my side hustle really started as freelance writing. Um, I My background is in writing. I had a degree in English from the University of Wisconsin. I went on to become uh, an educational publisher editor, um, and then I went on to be an editor at corporations. And so my last gig was like full-time gig, I should say, um, was at American Girl as a book editor where I wrote for, or where I both wrote and edited books for about eight years. And I did the nonfiction advice and activity books. But pretty much from the time that I graduated from college in 2000, I had been doing freelance writing on the side in some way, shape or form. And so over time, um, I had always wanted to go full-time freelance, but it's scary. You know, that's a, it's a big deal to give up the, you know, the paycheck and the um, benefits and all of those things, especially, you know, when you're right out of college and you have, for me, I had student loans and all of that. And so um, for me, I really needed the baby steps. And that's what I kind of looked at as my side gig was really sort of focusing in on what, kind of writing I wanted to do. When I first started, I was working for um, a company called American Family Insurance, and I was a corporate writer and editor there. And through that position, I met a lot of freelancers that I, that were writing for me, but the more I talked to them about how freelance work, um, they were handing some like assignments over to me. And so all of a sudden I was writing about finance and insurance, which is really not something I'm that interested in or even know that much about. I just, that happened to be my job, you know? And so the more I was coming home and doing that at night, the more I was finding, I'm like, I don't like this. Like, why am I writing about this all day, you know, both in my normal job and at home? And then that was when I really decided like, okay, if I'm going to do this writing from home and really focus on it and try to move ahead with it, then I have to do something that interests me. And so that's when I chose um, health and fitness was my niche at that time. Um, And then as I eventually went full-time freelance writing in 2000. 13. So it was 13 years that I had my side gig before I actually kind of took the full leap of faith. Um, And at that time, I sort of took on anything and everything. But the nice thing was I already had this like solid batch of um, people that I worked for and connections and things like that. So I had some work coming in. So it wasn't as scary. That's awesome. So did you go to college uh, to become a writer? Or like, what was your inspiration behind becoming a like copywriter? Yeah. So when I went to college, um, I was 
well, <laughs> my story that I tell people, and that is my bio on my um, website, carrieanton.com, that's where my writing portfolio is, um, is that I went to school to become a doctor, and my first chemistry class went horribly wrong. And um, my husband actually is um, a microbiologist, and he studied bacteriology in college. And I actually at ALT, um, which Danny was at also, um, I presented and I told my whole story about how I pretty much cheated through chemistry because I just would sit at my husband's house, uh, his parents' house at the time, and would just cry because none of it made sense, even though I was really trying very hard. Um, and so he actually would, I called him my chemistry elf, like he would tell me to take a nap and then I would wake up and my homework was magically done for me. So it was pretty awesome. Um, but what happened through all of that is like, he kind of gave me space to realize that maybe science in the medical field isn't quite my thing. So I was taking a writing class at that time in junior college and, um, I really liked it. And so I was like, okay. And I just kind of, through junior college, I didn't have really a, uh, degree that I was studying. It was just sort of like, you know, generic, take the classes that you need to take sort of thing. I had already, I had always thought that I was going to go the legal route after doctor because my mom was uh, paralegal and I really liked the research element of all of that. And so that was the direction I thought I would go in was either paralegal or lawyer or something in that field at least. Um, but when I got to the UW, University of Wisconsin, I really just kind of found a lot of writing classes and journal. I, I should have gone to the journalism school, really. I have a degree in English, but the more journalism classes I took, that's really where I just found I was comfortable. And I even went to my professor of, I had a public relations class and he was the nicest guy. Um, and I asked him, I'm like, oh, like I was in a panic. I'm like, oh, I, I should have been a journalism major and I'm a senior now and I, I'm going to have to go back and do it all over again. And he's like, what are you majoring in right now? And I told him English. He's like, you're fine. If you can write, you're fine. Like, it'll be okay. And funny enough, he actually was also a vice president at American Family Insurance. And that's partly how I got my job there. <laughs> Oh, that's back such a to good those story. connections, guys. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like he just really connected with me, and so then when and 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 I kind of looked to him as a mentor. Not that I went to him all that often, but I think because I just sort of took that, you know, that chance and was like, "Can you help me?" You know, um, and he was—he's a wonderful man. Um, but you know, when it came time to getting out of you know, the one position I was in and starting to move around, uh, I just reached out to him. I knew there was a position open. And I still think to this day, like, I don't think I would have gotten an interview because I think they were actually already done bringing in all the applicants. And I called like maybe the day after and he got me in. So I still don't think I would have had that job if it weren't for him. That's such a powerful story though. I think we forget that like, so not everyone has access to understanding, to like being a good interviewer, being a good resume writer, being good at those career skills, grasping those concepts, but everyone has the capability to build relationships. Oh, and absolutely. sometimes that can trump the paper that you absolutely. would accompany. And I, I feel like I really wouldn't be where I am in my life if it weren't for the relationships that I've developed. And even, you know, now I'm just because of the book, like I'm just starting to um, be on, 
I'm starting to go to these conferences and that sort of thing, which I didn't really do as a freelance writer because it, that, it just wasn't something I needed at that time. And now in my life, as I'm doing it more, I'm just like, wow, the connections I'm making with people that even like just spark ideas I never thought of before of like ways to use the skills that I have or things that I'm presenting on in just wildly different ways is amazing. And I now have like, you know, almost like, you know, the old school Rolodex where I feel like I can just like pull up names when I need someone to try to connect me to somebody else. And yeah, LinkedIn is good for that. But I feel like LinkedIn has kind of become like social media where you just have a lot of acquaintances and not Mm -hmm. actual, you know, real relationships. But when you develop those face-to-face relationships, like they just can take you so far. Yeah, that's definitely something that Danny and I have talked about in a different episode was the the things that connections can do for you. And I just do want to give a shout out to Danny because if you know Danny, you know pretty much everybody in the creative industry, I feel like. <laughs> um, Danny is like a huge connector, so shout out to her. <laughs> um, that's, that's so cool, though. I, I feel like... Um, you know, connections are so powerful and that, that can really inspire you in your journey when you first start out, especially side hustling. Um, what, I guess to like transition, what mistakes have you made in business? Oh, geez. (laughs) I don't know if we have enough time for that, but no, um, I think, you know, I, I hate to call them mistakes because, they're truly just learning moments. I, there are many times that I've messed up and beat myself up over it. And when I look at it now in hindsight, I'm like, that was such a valuable lesson. And so I really try to, I, I am, I'm not usually the most positive person in the world. My husband calls me a pessimist with a capital P, but, um, I try to, I'm trying to have the right mindset about things, but really when it comes to mistakes, uh, like a really good example of one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was my first book that I edited for American Girl. I left the author's name off of it, like completely off of it and to the point where um, like if like that book went to print and came back and nobody knows who wrote it when you picked it up because it wasn't anywhere in the book. And um, I remember I'm the type of person who will always take responsibility. I, I just feel like that's something you have to do in life. It sucks, but like you just have to swallow your pride and do it. And so of course I was mortified. This is the first book that I'm working on. Um, and so it was brought to my attention and I immediately stood up and took responsibility. I told my managing editor, I called the author and I apologized profusely. Um, you know, I told her how we were going to fix it. And she, the, her response was she never wanted to work with me again. And this was an author that was somebody that worked with American Girl a lot. Um, and I felt like my book writing or my book editing career was kind of over before it started. But I look back now and that that moment is actually, it's such a huge learning moment. And it actually was very valuable for a few different reasons. One, that author was awful to work with. So by never having to work with her again, it was actually sort of a, like a blessing in disguise. And I I always joke, I'm like, was it fate? Was it Freudian slip? I'm not sure what happened there, but um, that one worked out pretty well for me. But I also, you know, because I'm one to take responsibility, I gained a level of respect from my team. Because if you really step back and think about that event, I 
yes, I was to blame, but it was also my first book. I probably should have been watched a little more closely. And also a book just doesn't happen with a writer and editor. There's a whole team of people. And so nobody caught it, including like the designer, my managing editor, the copywriter, the proofwriter, and not even the author because she got to review the book too. So I gained a big level of respect there. And but I think most of all, what I learned from that was that life goes on despite those failures. And here I am today. And I, you know, for American Girl, I've written 10 books. Um, I just, you know, wrote my own book. And all of that happened despite the fact that, you know, I left an author's name off a book, which is a big deal. I would be pissed too if that happened, right? But you kind of just have to like move on from it. You know, stuff happens. So... I think that's the true measure of like folks ability to be successful though, because that a moment like that can be so crippling. Oh yeah. Like businesses fold because of moments like that. People get fired, people quit. Um, Like money is lost because of moments like that. I also had um, as a side gig moment, actually, I, it might've been while I was full-time freelance, but in my freelance writing moment um, or freelance writing life, I had a moment where um, it was an article for Shutterstock that I was writing and it was a and a with, um, I believe, an artist of some sort. And basically I was, you know, it was very formulaic of an article. Like you put the bio at the top and then you put the Q and A and it's really, there's not a lot of creativity that goes into it. And when I handed it in, my article got flagged for, um, uh, for plagiarism and it crushed me because I was like, I, what did I plagiarize? Like it's a Q and A. And yeah. what happened was, was I took the bio that he gave me and copied and pasted it in. And it turned out that somebody else had written it. And I didn't know this. I thought it was his and I didn't even, even that they said was a level of plagiarism that I didn't credit it to him, but I'm like, <laughs> it's his bio. I don't know how I'm, you know what I mean? Like that just seems like a really nitpicky way and that's I get it like when you have to be very nitpicky when it comes to plagiarism you you know there's a lot of gray areas um but they basically said they wouldn't work with me again and but they did allow me because it was through this content platform that allows you to work with other clients they could have kicked me out completely which would have ruined a lot of other relationships that like I was writing through like for Reebok through that uh, platform and um, like Beachbody and some other, you know, big places. And so they could have taken all of that away from me, but they understood what happened and they were good about it. But there was a gray area there. And I feel like as a freelancer, that could have really crippled me because all my big clients would have been gone. Like, I just feel like you get like, you know, sort of blacklisted if you're going to plagiarize. And, um, and, you know, I value my work way too much for something like that to happen. And so I was crushed when that one, I was crushed more with that than I was with leaving the author's name off of the book. <laughs> what advice would you give someone who like finds themselves with their back against the wall in a situation like that? Because I don't think most people would have like survived with as much grace and grit as you did. Well, I think, again, you have to take responsibility for whatever actions are truly yours. Um, That is going to be something that people will respect no matter what. Um, But that doesn't mean you shouldn't defend yourself either. Don't take responsibility for something you didn't do. I will say I took responsibility for my team 
for a team action that, you know what I mean, somebody else could have caught. But ultimately, I was the one that left the name off. So I took that responsibility. But that's not to say, um, again, if you're if you're not responsible for it, then don't take, you know, don't take it on yourself. I will say, you know, you need to make sure you document stuff and have the background um, information if you're going to go against somebody and, and you have to stand up for yourself. And it takes a level of confidence and um, a level of comfort with confrontation or at least learning how to be, you know, confrontational. I've dealt with confrontation just like, you know, in my family and things like that over the years. And now I'm in a place where not that I like it, but I'm really comfortable in that space. So come at me, you know, Um, but I think you just have to step up and deal with it, whether it be your fault or somebody else's fault. And if ultimately, I mean, the chips are going to fall where they fall, right? And so you have to accept whatever that is, or you have to be willing to keep fighting it. And, um, you know, I fought it to a level of like, okay, I'm willing to lose Shutterstock as a client, so long as you're not willing to take, or so long as you won't take away all my other clients in exchange. And so we were able to come to mutual ground. But I think you have to keep a level head during it, because Um, confrontation, like for me in the past, when I used to deal with confrontation, like it would make me choke up and my eyes would start to water, like I'm going to cry. And it feels like I can't talk because there's like, you know, like, you know, something stuck in your throat almost. And, you know, I'm tense and, and that makes you sort of defensive when, you know, you're trying to talk to somebody through a problem or an issue. So you have to try to stay as relaxed as possible because, um, if, if you're not defending yourself or or if there's no need to be defensive, then um, you should be able to just have a normal conversation, even if it is a little heated. I love that. I know that there have been many of times where I've messed up and I've had to take ownership of it. And I could have easily said, well, somebody else didn't catch it. Um, But like, you just have to take ownership to move on. And like, if you don't take ownership, there's no closure. That's right. At least that's how I feel. Um, but I guess let's kind of move on. Let's talk about something fun. So you do copywriting, you write books, you um, do that type of stuff. Can you tell us your favorite business book uh, or like reading recommendation? Yeah. So my favorite business book, um, this is the one I always tell people about. And um, there's a little backstory, but uh, the book is called The Power of Unpopular and it's by Erica Napolitano. Um, She had her own branding and consulting business that she started in the early 2000s. I honestly, I can't remember how I found her. I know she did a TED talk at one point, which was really, really um, that like, I, you know, Go, go watch that because that's amazing. Um, but so that might've been how I found her. Like, I honestly don't remember, but she no longer has her consulting business business. And she now went into improv comedy and, um, she was amazing. In fact, I was just reading, um, a newsletter, like an email newsletter that she sent out. And it was all about how people kind of like were shocked that she gave up the six figure consulting business that she grew on her own. And she was really amazing at, but she was saying that she just didn't have it in her anymore to grow other people's dreams while she didn't even know what hers were anymore. And so, um, the book itself though is called, so like I said, it's called the power of unpopular. And what I love about it is Erica is somebody who 
she swears a lot and she just is like, you know, really like kind of rough around the edges, but she's super funny. And she built that into her branding and consulting business. So if you had followed her on Facebook or whatever, there were F-bombs dropped all the time. And she would tell you how people would come up to her and be like, you know, if you really want to make it in this world or in this in this industry, you need to clean up your language a little. You don't, you, know, you can't say that to, to people. Um, but her whole book is about how then those aren't her people. Like if they can't accept that she does that and that's just part of her language, you know, like I'm a big swearer too. And sometimes that just slips. And so if somebody's going to be super offended by that, then they probably don't want to work with me because they're going to hear it every now and again. Right. And I haven't necessarily built it into my brand the way she did, but um, the whole reason she did it is that's who she is. And she wants the people to be her audience to be her biggest fans. And they can't do that if she's not being true to herself. So I love that you talk about being true to yourself. Cause I also am a big cusser mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> those great things. But do you think, so I find myself like the longer I've been in business, the braver and bolder I am about being like, Oh, those aren't my people. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you give someone advice, like if they were new in business in striking that balance between being hungry for whatever the hell business they can get and like being true to themselves, whether it's swearing, whether it's tattoos, whether it's like being open about their religious identity. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I, it's a tough one, especially in the beginning, because I feel like you are sort of taking on every, you know, anything and everything. But, um, a really good example is when I first went freelance, um, I was taking on anything and everything that came along because it's, you know, the almighty paycheck. It, when it was a side gig, I, I actually had a little bit more luxury because I could pick and choose what I wanted to do. But, um, so I was approached by, I don't actually remember how it was a referral or they found me somehow, but, um, I had this person contact waste um, disposal business <laughs> and it's you know like local in Madison and so he was he needed a copywriter and so it wasn't just a one-time thing either like he needed regular blog posts and e-paper uh, no ebooks white papers um, like you know newsletter campaigns all this different content that I know nothing about and have zero interest in but it's like I have to like I had to do it, right? Because it's it's just helping me to build up my portfolio. And I had never done white papers at that point. So it was like, now I'm doing a white paper and it's on the topic of, you know, toxic waste. So this should be fun, right? But it's, it, so you have to, you have to balance between finding um, opportunities that are going to move you ahead and really knowing what your values are. Like if for some reason, he was writing on a topic that went against everything I was. It, it wouldn't have mattered how much money it, you know, he was paying me. I just, I couldn't take that because I really do try to follow my values. But, you know, you're, I think you're, you're going to do things that are uncomfortable and I think you can learn and grow from them. And I think you can baby step your way into showing who you really are. Like you don't have to come full out and be like, you know, your, (laughs) your biopic doesn't have to be your arm sleeve, you know, of tattoos and you don't have to like have cuss words all over your website, but you can slowly work them into some of your copy, you know, say damn here versus darn, you know, and sort of, um, just test the waters essentially. Like, even though like cursing is what I'm all about in my private life, like I said, I still haven't built it into my business, but 
I, I think I probably will at some point, but you know, not even to the level of what Erica did, did Erica did, because that was like part of her brand. And that for me, isn't going to be part of my brand. So I think part of it is like, what can stay personal, you know, like a personal part of who you are, um, because not everything about your personal life, it makes you authentic in business life. Right. So, um, you can just, there could be the business you and the personal you, and then there's going to be somewhere in the middle that those two meet. And I think that's where you kind of have to baby step toward. I think that is so spot freaking on. Like, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's, it's a good way to do it. Test the waters, build it in slowly, but just like make sure it's quietly there from the beginning. I like that. Yeah, because you don't want to like all of a sudden, you know, like do a 180 on your clients, yeah. right? And be yeah. like, they're like, whoa, who's this person? You know, um, I think when you have those conversations and you get the vibe from somebody and, you know, if you get a vibe from somebody that they're not going to dig who you really are in real life, like maybe abandon ship, like that just might not be the right project to work on and, and go, go find something else. It's, there's a ton of work out there if you just really go on a, you know, search mission for, for it. And even if you can't now, at least know and like do a mental check of like, yo, I could not stand this client or like there were red flags that came up that I would, that I just can't do anymore. Like, even if you can't stop the project now, just knowing that like, that's not something you like anymore. Yeah. And um, I think you can also make a list of like the, yes. like the type of topics that you're, or projects that you're working on and what about them brings you joy and what about them energizes you and then look for more of that. And I think that that's really going to sort of set your path down the road. And the nice thing is about when you have a side gig, like I said, you can be a little bit more choosy because you have a safety net in place. So, you know, start to test those waters in a way that, you know, you're never going to drown because you already have that backup plan um, that you're not going to have when you finally decide to take the leap of faith. Yes. Well, that's like, yeah, that's so true. Um, I guess we are coming to the close of the episode. So we do want to ask, I know, uh, um, where can we find you, uh, your website, your social media handles? Yeah, so um, I'm at my my website is wonderideastudio.com. Uh, same thing for Facebook and Instagram. It's at Wonder Idea Studio. Um, and I have a new book right now that just came out a couple days ago. It's called Me, Myself, and Ideas, The Ultimate Guide to Brainstorming Solo. Um, and it's great, especially when you're doing a side gig because, um, you know, you probably aren't going to tap your everyday full-time employees <laughs> for ideas about your side gig if they even know about it. So um, you're really on your own to come up with ideas. And this book, really steps through from beginning to just getting like your head in that creative space to all the way of, I have 10 ideas and I don't know how to pick one. It really walks you through all the steps. So uh, that book is available for sale now. Um, and all the links are on my website of where to buy it. Perfect. And we'll link it in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you so you. much. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. I really appreciate it.